Hello, welcome to the Babe Bunny Podcast, where I, me, Ashley, aka Ashley Chubby Bunny, discuss sex, fashion, cannabis, and life as a rom-com protagonist living in Brooklyn, New York. Make sure to follow, subscribe, and share the pod with your homies as well as let me know what you think with a review slash comment upon completion. Hello, and thanks for tuning in this week. Um, I'm so glad that you've returned and you've come to the second episode. You know, honestly, fuck yeah. So um, without further delay, I want to get into this week's topic. I wanted to kind of start off this episode why, with explaining exactly what Ashley Chubby Bunny is. So... And it, it it's not like a long winded like situation. It's it has to do with like the overall topic for the discussion today. So I am someone who currently is working on a um sir, no 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 we're gonna cut that out. So I'm someone who was very um sexually repressed growing up especially as a fat femme especially as a fat black femme that's very important and I was also someone that was subjected to a lot of there's a trigger warning for um SA and CSA so if you would like to fast forward through this part um definitely do so I'm not gonna harp on it but as someone who has been a uh, victim of child sex childhood sexual abuse and um adulthood (laughs) sexual assault um I'm someone who has worked very hard to not only reclaim their sexual autonomy but to understand that within the context of my trauma so of course I had the original um trauma response of you know hypersexualization which coincided with me becoming a little bit more sexually liberated as I left the house so like all of this was like a perfect storm of just shit and it opened me up to a lot of uh terrible situations and you know of the like or whatever right so throughout this time I was not having sex on my terms I was not having sex for me if I was horny, I'd be like, yeah, I want to have sex. But mostly I was very much into penetration. I was very much into the surrounding, um, you know, behavior that comes with like a sexual encounter with a cis man. But from an early age, I understood that I was not finding very much sexual gratification in performing sex with cis het men. It was usually me um, giving a lot of head. And that's something that I from an early age realized that I really liked. Um, but as a fat black femme, that's something that was communicated to me as a basically compensation or consolation prize or some kind of currency to get men or like not men, but to get boys to like me, which that only worked for like one guy. It wasn't like I was like out here like, doing all this extra shit that worked for like one guy that I was trying to get to like me the next guy that I was doing that with it was kind of it seemed like more of a mutual thing until um I was taken advantage of which led to the um the essay but 
I was very much doing sexual things that did not ensure that I was going to have an orgasm, that I was going to step away from the experience with a positive um, outcome. It just felt very much like if I was going to continue having sex with cishet men, that I was not going to enjoy myself. I remember being like, 19 20 and like fucking my like ex-boyfriend at the time he wasn't a like he was well he definitely was my ex but like before then we were fucking whatever i was the first person he ever had sex with and because i was the first person he ever had sex with i was like sweet so i don't have to ask him for sex i don't have to like you know i don't have to put on this show for sex like he very much was like we're fucking and i was like you know lit i really wanted to do it i really wanted to have sex on a regular basis because it was like i was able to find it but it was just not consistent enough for me and so like during that time when i like found out what my pussy did pussy (laughs) i hated that that echo like the the pussy but when i found out what my pussy did um after I became sexually active, I just kind of was like, ooh, this is nice. But I didn't have, I did not have any guidance. I didn't have anybody telling me um, how to achieve an orgasm. I didn't have anybody telling me how to have sex. I was watching porn, but not on a regular enough basis to where I knew what to do. Um, I think that there was a really, there was a key moment in my early sexual, uh, my early sexual experiences, where I learned how to fake an orgasm, and I remember in high school because I bought and collected Cosmopolitans like crazy. Like I really was just like not the drink Cosmo, okay, like Cosmo the magazine because I was just like yeah, like I couldn't talk about sex to anyone else. Like I couldn't be like a girl girl with anyone else until I got a little bit older. Like but until then, I bought Cosmos and. I read all about how all of these girls and women in their, like their early 20s were having sex and all of these things. But I read an article that said that something like 64% of women, no, that's too high. It has to be, <laughs> it has to be too high. But it was a very high percentage of women would not experience an orgasm in their lives. And little me, so that's gotta be like 2006, 2005, 2006, 2007. I was like, oh no. Because at that point, like, I wasn't really masturbating like that. I didn't like masturbating because I didn't really see the point because I wasn't really feeling anything for the most part. Which now that I think about it might have been trauma. Um, but I wasn't enjoying it like everybody else. And I was like, obviously, I'm doing something wrong because I'm never going to experience an orgasm. And I don't know how to. And I don't want to touch myself. And it seems like all of my partners don't know what they're doing. Like, yeah, we're fucking And we're fucking hard and like, oh, we're trying this and that. But like, it was never like, oh, I'm going to make you come. And so, yeah, it was just a very dark period in my life where I thought I was having fun because I was fucking and I really enjoyed it. But like, I wasn't finishing. I like literally my first boyfriend found out through me like slipping up. And letting it be known that I was faking my orgasms, all of a sudden it was like, well, you weren't that good of an actress anyway. And it's like, well, fooled you because up until like, you know, five minutes ago, you thought that I was coming on a regular basis, which literally I would just like make the noises sometimes so he could stop because it was to a point where like he wanted to fuck so much that I needed a break. I was going through a period of time where 
I became an intense hypochondriac due to um, the essay and my parents not handling any of this correctly because A, they didn't know I had been essayed because when I opened up to my mother about it, she, um, I asked, you know, basically, is there a way for me to go get tested at your job? Because she works in the healthcare field and she automatically put the dots together, but not in the correct way. She was like, oh my God, you're having unprotected sex. You could have AIDS right now. What if you're pregnant? How could you do this? I can't believe that like you would do this to yourself. I thought that you would, you know, it was very like, it was very traumatic. She did not handle that well at all. And it was basically the worst case scenario. She like sent, she like gave me money to go to the Planned Parenthood and like dropped me off there. And even the, even the fucking like nurse I saw was a bitch. I was like, I thought that y'all were a little bit more progressive than this. Like, this is horrible. The entire experience was horrible. And so I didn't feel comfortable opening up to my mother about it because I was like, fuck this bitch. Like, she's calling me a slut. She's talking to my sister about how she thinks that I'm a loose girl. She did the whole thing where like, um, she re like she quoted the line from the color purple where Mr.'s dad said that Suge Avery had that quote unquote nasty woman's disease. Like she was really like, my daughter's a slut. Meanwhile, your daughter is suffering from trauma because she was essayed in our own home. So it was like not working out for me. And so my hypochondria came with me habitually going back and forth between clinics, especially the free one on campus and especially going to get tested regularly for like HIV and like full panels. And the I, the only reason why I started going outside of the clinic on campus is because they caught on to me. They caught on to me coming in there like every week. They caught on to me coming and demanding a full panel, demanding a physical exam, demanding a quick, like a rapid response HIV test like every Monday because they were free and they were just like, you need to speak to someone. And I was like, I, it was... <laughs> It just didn't make sense to me. I was just like, I definitely have something and y'all missed it. And <laughs> I'm going to find out. I was skipping class because towards like when spring semester started, I was so deep in my hypochondria that I did nothing. But um, I had like I had gotten into my mind because my dad screamed at me even though he had no idea what was going on. He screamed at me about one of my brothers having a kid with his girlfriend who they're still together. And the boy is like my nephew. Like he's, they're still like, it's not a worst case situation. Like he said it would be, he was like worst case scenario. She could have given him AIDS. And I'm someone that gets like canker sores in my mouth. So like I immediately went to the Google and I was like, what are symptoms of like HIV and stuff? And they said that one of the symptoms was canker sores. And of course, because I'm like 18, 19 years old. Like, well, at the time I was 18, I wasn't like thinking rationally. Like this is a person who literally, as soon as I got to college, found out about student loans and sent an email to my mom saying, I don't need you anymore. And that was not the case. Um, but it was just like a very traumatic time. Like after I Googled the symptoms, I could not stop. I thought that everything was a sign that I had HIV when I was, uh, I 
like ironically and unfortunately took my human sexuality class that semester and it was attendance based. So I got a C because I kept skipping the days where we were talking about STDs um, after the first person um, guest speaker came to speak to us, he had HIV. And I went out of my way to like ask him questions and like, you know, shake his hand and all this stuff and ask him like, you know, what am I, what should I do if I'm like really nervous and like waiting for results? He gave me a website to go look at, which is essentially like a giant forum. Worst idea, worst, worst idea, (laughs) worst advice and idea this person could have ever given someone like me. I was on this like forum, website, what have you, night and day. Like I had found a um, HIV positive magazine and reached out to the editor and I had a literal relationship with this person because I was typing paragraphs back and forth about how I could have possibly contracted it how no one believes me, how I have all these symptoms, I have bruises showing up. Like it was just, it was a nightmare. And like, I was still having sex like with other people and like my then boyfriend when we were off and on. And so like, I had this thing where I was like, oh no, what if I gave it to him? And I was calling like the suicide hotline and I was calling other hotlines too because they literally started to recognize my voice I was calling so much so I had to like diversify it was bad it was one of the worst possible outcomes of a severe lack of a comprehensive and realistic pleasure-based sexual health education like it was literally the most reactionary response. And the thing was, is that I thought that I was being punished because I actually liked sex. It wasn't like this perfect victim thing where I was like, oh, don't touch me, don't do this, don't do that. Like I was still actively having sex because I enjoyed sex. But after I had sex, I would then be like, oh no, this is it. Like I'm about to have like, you know, this is something's gonna show up. There was a point where I went to a clinic and the lady told me she looked up my like files and she was like, you've been getting tested a lot. And I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes I just have to make sure. And she was like, you know, oh, don't do that too much. Now they'll label you a warrior. And I thought she was trying to be cute. Right. She said, no, there's insurance companies. I was still on my parents insurance. I was like, they label you as like a warrior or somebody that's like, quote unquote, abusing services. Um, if you go to the doctor too much, if you are a hypochondriac, they'll flag you, they'll flag you and you can get dropped. And I was like, well, fuck, I gotta go to another clinic. And so that's when I like sought out this lady called Dr. Like her name is Dr. Stephanie Pickle. I, it's her real name and her dad, you know, owns the practice. His last name is Pickle is a whole thing, but she was the only person that gave me a, like a very like matter of fact, helpful somewhat of a sexual health education because I was seeing her a lot I was seeing this woman a lot she was my introduction to how to talk about what I needed during sex because it was getting to a point where I was physically not able to have sex but my ex did not care and so of course I had to go see her and she let me know all these things like, oh, you're not properly lubricated. 
Is he waiting for you to be aroused? Like, are you on birth control? All these other things, right? And so I just decided that, you know, once school like wound down and we had like, before we like broke up again, I was just like, I don't think I want to have sex anymore. This is too much of a headache for me. Like, I really feel like I'm losing my mind. I like failed my, like I failed spring semester. I failed most of my classes. That's why when I tell people about my time in college, I talk about, you know, my first and second freshman year because my first freshman year was, it, it, it literally started off so great. And then the second half became me being afraid I was going to die of HIV and go to hell. Like it was really bad. I was so lost and I was isolated because I was in a, a like violent, abusive relationship and he had successfully isolated me from like an hour away. It was just a lot going on. And so sex and I had a very tumultuous relationship because I was somebody that thoroughly and still am somebody that thoroughly enjoys sex but because of the way in which I was introduced to it and introduced to even how to speak about it how to like react to it it was just not it didn't seem worth it so when I said that I didn't want to have sex with my 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 then like boyfriend he tried to do this thing where he was like how dare you make that decision without running it by me I was so confused because I knew I was just like but like, why would I run it by you? Like, it's my pussy. I was so confused. I was like, why would this be something that I share? Like, I go to school an hour away. Like, I had to tell you, like, you had to beg for me to go out with you. You know, he was my first boyfriend, but I already knew, like, I knew some shit wasn't okay. But because I was afraid of losing him, I didn't really have a support system. He had isolated, he successfully isolated me from everyone. My sister went off to college. It was like, I didn't have anyone. I, and so I was in a relationship where I was also being like essayed on a regular basis because I did not want to have sex with this person. And he insisted um, he would take off the condom. It would do all this weird shit and I would have to deal with it. I would just have to deal with it, right? So when I got like a little bit older, um, I just, I noticed that I was still having sex and it was not like fun. Like I, I remember buying my first sex toy from Adam and Eve. They're not plugged. They're not paying for this. They're not a sponsor. I'm just telling the story. And like, I, I remember thinking that this is how I should use the sex toy. Cause I really wanted penetration, but like, you know, the other toy, it was the first sex toy I bought was a pink jelly double-headed dildo that was like 12 inches long and thick as fuck. And I was just like, yeah. And I would fuck the shit out of myself like in my dorm room with it. And, you know, I would like feel it, but like I wasn't there, you know? I just really liked the penetration at that point. And then I bought a jackhammer rabbit and I didn't use it until I moved into my first apartment and I didn't like it because I didn't know how to use it. And I didn't really know I thought the thrusting was like a joke. I thought the thrusting was page, like it was patronizing. I was just like, if I can't get real dick, I don't want some fucking mechanical thing not like thrusting hard enough inside of me. Cause at that point I already knew that I liked like penetration. Like I was, yeah. So the sex toys, I was like, yeah, this is okay, but I still wanna have sex. And then that's when I started like using OkCupid in the fucking uh, website form. Because yes, I was in college. <laughs> in 2010 <laughs> and then OkCupid was still a website and I think that one of my friends at the time because all my friends across the hall were guys 
And I had some girlfriends, but it was like from other people that I believe. I like went out of, I was such a fucking, like when I came back from school, I'll explain in another episode what happened after my first freshman year. But like I was out of school for a significant amount of time. So when I came back for spring 20, what was it, 2010? I was like, all right, so we're about to have a great time. And I was a really, I was a social butterfly. That's when I really was just like, oh, college is about to be like everything. Um, but yeah, my friends across the hall, um, we one of them saw the OkCupid survey because that's kind of how everybody found it was like through a survey. And then I set up my account and I was meeting people in my town, which was funny. I remember, oh my God. Okay, so I'm remembering this meeting this one guy across from like this it was like right where this like like abandoned house was like right across the street from campus and we met over there and we talked and he brought like I think mad dogs or whatever and then we like chilled and then like we left and I was like okay I like this and then like the second guy I met is the guy that I tell everyone I tell everyone about this person because although he is one of the worst people I've ever met in my life. He was the person that opened my eyes sexually to the possibilities of my body, to the possibilities of sexuality, and to the possibilities of different kinds of sexual experiences. So the first time I met this person, um, it was through an OkCupid date. We meet up and he like I don't even remember where we fucking went for the date to be honest with you which is kind of scary because I'm like where do we fucking go um but then we went to his house like we like went from the date to his house and I wasn't really feeling him but I definitely had nothing to do that's you know that evening and we like hung out at his place and he was like of course like wanted to have sex and I was like okay well I guess you know there's nothing else to do and I guess we'll try it like that's very much who I was like at 20 I was like okay I guess so you know and something tells me a lot more men like want that to happen because the older I get the less I am like that like right now I couldn't possibly imagine just having sex with a man for the fuck of it if I didn't know I was gonna come if I didn't if I knew I didn't like him if I knew I wasn't attracted to him but like 20 year old Ashley wasn't on that type of time I was traumatized I was like had PTSD I was like you know hypersexual I was going through it right so we had he turned on like that I'm not going to bring up that movie because I really don't want to ruin it anymore. But he turned out like a Wes Anderson movie and we uh, we had sex and I absolutely hated it. I absolutely hated it. I absolutely hated it. It was Steve Wiesel. Um <laughs> I absolutely hated the sexual encounter we had. And it was like after the sexual encounter where he told me that we would have to have a physical relationship because he couldn't be seen with me outside um, walking around with me because everybody would wonder why he couldn't get someone his own size and that he thinks that I like essentially had misled him because he didn't know that I was fat. And to, you know, his, I guess, benefit or whatever the fuck of the doubt or whatever, I was not showing my full body in my photos. Like I was not, I only had face photos, right? So I was like, I understand that piece. 
Um, I had like, I knew my angles and all this shit. Like when, when I think about it. So literally he's the reason why to this day, I always post full body photos. Cause like, I'm not about to like end up in no situation where some niggas like, Oh, I thought you didn't say you were fat because you're going to know I'm fucking fat. I'm not going through that shit again. So basically he was like, I, we can't, we can't be like in public together. We can't have a physically, only a physical relationship. And I was just like, okay. And it was weird because like he was not attractive. And on top of that, he was like six feet tall and like a very stocky man and not like stocky athletic. I'm talking about like pudgy. Like he like it was it was ludicrous to me that this person was saying this to me. And I was just like, okay, I guess this is how things are. And for some reason, I just let it slide. I kept seeing him and. I think it was because the next time we saw each other, um, he like gave me my first orgasm. It was like my first half of orgasm technically because we didn't finish it. Um, I was like, Oh, he wants to see me again, even though he thinks I'm fat. So I'm not going to hang out with him because I don't have self-esteem. Literally. That's what kind of time I was on. So I hung out with him and I was just like, okay, so I don't want your dick in me, but we can do other stuff. No. And he was like, okay. And he used an egg, like anally, like a little, the little bullet, like vibrators. He put that like in my ass and like was fingering me. And he kept just, he's like, relax, just relax, just relax. Because that was the first time anything had been in my ass correctly. He was the one that introduced me to anal sex in a correct way. He was the one that introduced me to how to safely do it. He taught me about both of the muscles that would have to like do their thing and like relax for it to be more pleasurable. And he did it a little bit too well that that day because I had half orgasm and, and, and punched him in the face because I was just like, oh, God, I'm dying. And I was just like, we have to stop immediately. Like, I'm going to die. And, he, and I punched him. And he was like, why would you do that? And I was like, what the fuck was that? And he was like, what do you mean? And I was just like, it felt like something was like gonna explode and he was like that's an orgasm I was like but I don't think I had one and he was like well you probably didn't finish it but like you definitely are about to have one and that changed everything for me that changed everything for me because I knew that it was possible I didn't know how and I was just like this seems a little bit involved I can't I can't always have like a you know a bullet in my ass you know but I'm gonna figure this out but like I saw him one more time And that's what, like, that's what, like, kept me off his dick forever. Like, but the thing was, is that I saw he, like, masturbated in front of me one time and he used vegetable oil and then he came in his hand and he licked it up. And I was just like, you're the most disgusting person I've ever seen in my life and not in a good way. So I didn't want his fucking penis around me anymore. I thought it was gross. (laughs) I thought he was gross, but I was lonely. I wanted a man that, like, he seemed to really be into my body. He seemed to be really into me. And so it kind of like was weird that like he had started off this shit with that declaration of like, I can't be seen in public with you because this nigga was on my fucking dick heavy. And so, yeah, like I took it in. I was like, oh, he wants to cuddle. He wants to, you know, drink beer and like, you know, hang out. And he was more, he was better to hang out with when he was drunk. And that summer, when I was on campus, because I was taking summer classes, I like hung out with him a lot because summer, like campus was like fucking empty. 
until the summer classes started because I was taking May Mester and then when summer school started that's when like everybody came back but like during May Mester it was a ghost town so he lived in um some apartments like off campus and I would see him a lot and that's when like the the relationship got a little bit more like involved like we never we were never together and like I never wanted to have sex with him again but like he introduced me to BDSM he introduced me to different dynamics within sex and so he was like oh look here's a cage where people get put in the cage all day and they'll just be waiting there until their their master gets back and here's like a patty lock and here's like a um you know a whip and here's what this all means and then he introduced me to this chastity device that he wore it was like a clear like thing that went over his penis and it had a lock on it and it had like holes in the side so he could obviously piss but like that's what that's what time it was right he gave me the key he showed me what it looked like i had my little oh my god moment and then he gave me the key and at that point we had like a, a playful relationship. So I was like, I'm gonna swallow this key. And he was like, please don't. I was like, cool, I'm gonna throw this key in the bushes outside. And he was like freaking out. And I thought it was hilarious. I didn't know. I didn't know that I was like a little fucking dom. I had no idea. I just thought this nigga sweat and it's so funny, like whatever, right? And then that night he also was like, you know, if you want, like I can show you how to like, hit me with a spoon and I was like what he was like yeah just go and get like a spoon you hit me with the spoon I was like this nigga's like it was a night right we were having a night he was also like tied up so I was just like this is fun I tied him to the bed and I got on top of him and I just started beating him with this plastic like spoon while his dick was in this chassis device and I had never felt anything like that in my entire life I absolutely loved it um and then it graduated to us like wrestling every time I saw him. So like he would get drunk. He would go and get like a like a tall boy or like a fucking like 40 of OE. And he would come back and he would have stuff for me to like something for me to drink. And we would wrestle, like physically wrestle. And like it wasn't sexual, but like I felt amazing because like we were literally like wrestling. like, And I'd never like gotten that kind of like aggression and energy out. It was great. And then I kept in contact with him off and on. He got a girlfriend and I was like, cool. So like this ain't gonna happen for a while. That's awesome, I guess. And it, it wasn't that long because after that I started like fucking my best friend. So like I already had another thing going on. Like I actually wanted to fuck my best friend. And so what ended up happening was I had a Halloween party that that people thought somebody died at. So somebody, like people thought that someone died at my Halloween party that year. And um, yeah, cause that was the year I had my first, no, 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 no. It was the following year. So the following year I was in my new apartment. I had a Halloween party and people thought that someone died there because this person showed up early and I put them to work by like, you know, you got to finish doing this. And you got to finish doing that. Because who the fuck show up at a party on time? And when they got done, they got first dibs on the drinks. And they drank as much as they wanted to. And in the middle of the party, vomited and passed out. And we had to call, you know, the paramedics. And I lived on the fourth floor. So it was a whole thing. And then after that, I was like, you know what? Party's over. Because I have to clean up this vomit. And I have to do all this extra shit. So everybody get the fuck out. And before they left, like, the guy was there. 
And this was the Halloween party where, like, I told my then best friend that, like, you need to leave because, like, he brought some other girl he was fucking that I had to find. I put it together that they were fucking. He tried to act like I was, like, making shit up. I was like, I knew they were fucking. And he had the nerve to bring her to my fucking house. And so I kicked them all out. I was like, get out of my apartment. You have to leave. And he left. And it felt so nice to kick white people out of my home. But basically, the guy that, the wrestling guy was there and... He was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm fucking pissed. And he was like, okay, let's go in the laundry room. Cause like there you get to actually have a laundry room. And I miss that shit so much now that I think about it. Um, went in the laundry room and he was like, do you want me to spank you? And I was like, yes. So he spanked me in my Minnie Mouse costume. And that usually like calms me down. And like from early, early on, I've known that I've liked spanking. It's something that I really enjoy. And it's kind of a bummer, excuse me, <laughs> that a lot of men, pretend like they like spanking and they either don't know how to do it or don't really like it but that's like something he knew would calm me down and then he was like do you want to come to my apartment with me and heather and i was like sure heather was already there and i spent the night with them like i didn't really do anything sexual outside of like just cuddling with them and they let me sleep in the middle and the next like i was like in my fucking Minnie mouse costume and everything and like the next night i mean the next day we all woke up and like we had breakfast and everybody was in a good mood and then we started messing around and he messed around with me first. And then like Heather came and then like, that's the first time that I was introduced to the Hitachi and it changed my life because that morning I actually had an orgasm and I felt a shift. It was the first time and I can still like feel what it felt like too. So it was the first time I had ever had an orgasm to completion like and it was of course clit, like clitoral and like I remember screaming and like of course like I felt the feelings like oh no I'm gonna I'm gonna die and he was like just write it out just write it out just like push like just push through like it's supposed to feel like that and I came so fucking hard and I screamed right and um yeah my ears popped my body went limp and I just laid there. I was just like, what? And then my friend came to pick me up to take me back to my apartment because I needed to finish cleaning. And because I, I made it like I told my roommates, I'm like, hey, I need the place. Um, they usually leave for a while. But like I left and it was dirty. I usually don't go to sleep after parties if it's dirty, which is weird. I know it's weird. But like this time I was like, I can't fucking deal with this. I clean up the vomit, but that's it. But I went back to the house to clean up and like she my friend then picked me up and she was like what's wrong with you is something wrong I'm like I don't even know what I look like but I know that I look like my life had been changed because she literally was like is something wrong are you okay I was like no no I'm fine I'm fine like let's just get back to the let's get back to the apartment and so like from that point on I was like I can't have sex without this again I don't know what sex is without this like I can't not have this and so anytime I saw this guy I would be like can you bring your Hitachi with you even the time I like skipped my accounting final to go to this pool party at my apartments and this like fucking fine ass hot ass like white guy that had lean in this fucking bottle that I shouldn't have drank he gave me the lean and I called the other guy with the Hitachi over after the pool party was over because I was like hell yeah like I'm ready and like he brought the Hitachi. Of course, I was not like in the mood to like, I was not all the way there to do it, but like he brought it and then he kind of like caught on that I only wanted the Hitachi there. So he left. 
And then I went out with my friends anyway. Um, but like after that, I was just like, what do I do? What do I do? And I was like, oh, wait, like, I guess I just won't have this. Like, I was like very much like, I guess, you know, if he's not going to bring the Hitachi, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then when I moved into my house, I was still like, like, did he bring the Hitachi? Like, we were still kind of hooking up on a regular basis. And it literally was like, just not, not, don't fuck me. Not, can't penetrate me. Just put your fingers in there and use the Hitachi. And he was okay with that. Um, he actually was the first guy to ask me if I wanted to pee on him. And I was just like, what? And I could tell, cause after like, we had like got done cuddling one night, I got up to go to the bathroom and he was like, well, since you're going to the bathroom anyway, I could just tell, I could tell. I wasn't weirded out. I just didn't want to do it. But, um, yeah, when I got into my house, I was like, oh wait, bitch, I could just buy this for myself. And I did still have her still love her. Um, she still works. That was also the time where I started smoking weed regularly. And when I tell you my little slice, my little slice of like heaven, right? I feel like this was a really good catalyst, like a really good start for the rest of like how I spend time by myself um, and what I enjoy. I would get high and I would masturbate all day and I would just nap. Like people would be like, where's Ashley? Have you heard from her? Have you seen her? My roommates are like, is Ashley here? Da, 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 da. Ashley's literally in the backyard smoking and in her room masturbating until she passes out with her Itachi because that's what it was. Even when I was with my uh, then boyfriend, I mean, when he, me and him just got, we got together, we always had sex with the Hitachi. I did not want to have sex without it. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? To the point where when it short circuited and stopped working only in certain positions, I was devastated. So the one that I have, the one that I have, right, still have, was a replacement. Because I had to take the other one back because it was like short circuiting. But I tried to use the fuck out of it. It would just turn off. I was so sad. It would only work at certain angles and then just turn off. But like up until that, I was like, I, I was just like, I don't know. Like, I would put it in my purse when I went on dates. I was just like, if we're fucking, I'm using this. And like guys didn't know what it was. They didn't know how to use it. They thought that it was supposed to go inside of me. And I was like, absolutely not. But like, it was just like, I did not understand sex without it. I was like, I am coming. I am literally having orgasms all over the place. I love this. And, you know, that's when I started getting a little bit more adventurous. Like I turned 22 and that was like my hoe phase. Like I was fucking the caliber of guys I was fucking went up. I was fucking this really cute white guy that turned out to like all of a sudden, like we learned to be a DJ. I did this thing where I would skip my first couple of days of class and I would just be laid up with some boy fucking and having a great time. And like, it was just, it was a lot, you know, I was going through it, but like the sex at that time was inching more towards being on my terms. It was more so things that I wanted to do. I was finishing. I was having a great time. I was able to experiment the way that I wanted to. And it was becoming a more fulfilling experience. Yeah, it was still shitty. There was a guy that I had a crush on that basically we were dancing with each other at this fucking like all white party. And then like, I was like, okay, cool. Like he's into me, but whatever. And then like, he did this thing where like, he like fingered me in the back seat when we were like being driven back to like campus. It was like a whole bunch of shit going on, but like he would never fuck me. He just wanted me to suck his dick. And I was just like, okay. Cause I had no self-esteem. But like at the same time, it was just kind of like, I enjoyed sucking dick. And there was another guy that like I met on OkCupid that was really weird, but really cute. And I just sucked his dick too. And it was just kind of like, that's what my life was. If I wasn't having these like 
romantic like trysts like I was sucking dick and there was like a one time where I actually to this day I kind of kind of only kind of um regret like this one encounter I had excuse me because it was like the day that um what is it called first model magazine I think this was called there was an on, on like campus fashion magazine that this very ambitious girl who I'm sure is like a billionaire by now started. And I was like an editor and my um, spread was like in the first edition, which was a very big deal. And I was very excited. It was it was literally inspired by um, Marina and the Diamonds, Prima Donna. She was in her Electra Heart period. Like, if you were there, you were there. So, like, I was painting the fucking heart on my face. All the girls in the fucking, like, photo shoot were just like, it was a whole thing. And now that I think about it, now that I'm really thinking about it, I fucking did that. I fucking did that. I did their makeup because... What, the person that I hired to do their makeup brought the crustiest like theater makeup. And I was like, nah, I guess I'll do their makeup. Cause what the fuck is this? Like I styled every single girl. I got three girls. I got a white girl. I had a black girl. And I had this girl that was like a, like a exchange student. She's from Korea. Like I made sure it was, it was magical. It was in front of this huge house that was down the street from like fucking school. It was everything. And when I find it, I'm going to show everybody. <laughs> I know it's still up. I know it's still live, but it was definitely like a moment. And so like I missed <laughs> the launch party because I was too busy getting my brains fucked out by this like Mexican guy I met on OkCupid with one of the biggest dicks that I had ever had at the time. And he was like enthusiastic up until that point. I hadn't really had a guy that I actually wanted to fuck that like knew how to fuck and he knew how to fuck like he was just like he knew how to talk to me he knew how to like position me he knew how hard to fuck me it was a lot we fucked all night like all afternoon and then night and then like he was like okay so I'm gonna go and I need to take a shower and I'm gonna go and I was like okay bye like I was so exhausted like I didn't care like I was like okay he's gonna leave I'm gonna go to sleep I didn't care that I missed the party because I was too busy getting railed but yeah, like sex became something that I really enjoyed. Around that time, I started fucking this male model and it was just a lot going on. Um, but I say all that to say this. During that time period, I had this illusion of sexual liberation because I thought that because I was moving further away from my sexual trauma, which I really wasn't because a lot more of it happened in college. But like, I thought the further I was away from the initial sexual trauma, the more in control of the situation I was and the less of a trauma response I was having. I was like, oh, this is not me like being damaged. This is me enjoying sex. And like, that's not entirely what was happening. I still was like being seen as a means to an end. I still had to like argue <laughs> with my best friend about like whether or not we were gonna fuck. It was just a lot of like motions that like, I think that sexually I was not ready for. I was not having the conversations that I needed to with like anyone about how sex was supposed to work until I became a feminist point blank. Like I lived on campus, I live across the campus in my little house that I was smoking and masturbating in with like three other women. It was two white girls and one like brown girl and Basically, the two white girls made the 
made the um, living situation unbearable. So I would spend as much time as possible on campus. And I was like, I have to join a club because like, there's only so much homework I can do in the library. Like, there's only so much time I can waste, like on the quad and like in the union, like I have to do something with my time. So I joined FMLA, which is a feminist majority leadership alliance um, chapter at UNT. And day one, I was sharing. Day one, I was sharing. And that's when people came up to me after the meeting and thanked me for sharing. And I was like, that's interesting. I've never had someone do that before. I definitely came back the next week because they had a sex toy show and tell. And if you're like an OG and you followed like, I guess, Ashley, Chubby Bunny, Laura, you know that like at my um, centerfold parties, I try to incorporate a sex toy show and tell because I think it's important to discuss sex toys in a more conversational way, to discuss sexuality in a more conversational way so that it's normalized, so that it's not this huge like, oh my God, ooh, it's sex toy. Like, it's like, we're still at the age where like, it's weird that in 2022, people will look at like a dildo or look at a vibrator. And we know what vibrators look like now. They don't, they're not big and scary. They're like, some of them are actually really pretty. Some of them are actually really cute, but people still will like pick one up or like look at it and be like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'm just like, what? So the sex toy show and tell was the first time I had ever heard anybody else talk about masturbating. And I brought my Hitachi, of course, cause I was excited, I was so proud that I had finally figured out how to have an orgasm. And I found out from like the other officers that they were using like the shower head. I had never, shower heads don't work for me. I'm just gonna say that right now. Shower heads have never worked for me. I wish that I was a water girl. I wish that I was a jet stream girl. It's just not me. Um, excuse me, I had to sneeze. Um, but they've never worked. And that was the first time that I felt really comfortable around other people discussing orgasms, discussing, you know, my sexual needs and seeing and hearing for the first time a lot of other people express theirs. And it's not lost on me that the only reason why that was happening was not only because it was like a feminist and sexually liberated space, it was heavily a queer space. Everybody that was an officer was a queer person. Unfortunately, the majority of them were white, which is why when I and my best friend and everybody else that subsequently became officers, you know, did that, it was a big deal because that was the first time in the history of FMLA at that, you know, that chapter at school was that everybody on the, like the majority of the officers were, you know, B-I-P-O-C. It was like, it was intense. It was it was it was great, though, because everybody was like we were all gay as fuck, but also we were all people of color. So like we were really instrumental in bringing the intersectionality aspect into our meetings, into our curriculum, because we, of course, were teaching people things with each meeting. And so like that was really what started it. I'm not going to lie. That's what flipped the switch, because that thought the summer before that happened, like, of course, that was like my summer. I turned 22 and I was out here. I was picking up men that like, I, <laughs> I was flirting. This one guy was like, yeah, I thought you had really good game. That's why like, I let you like, 
you know, I flirted with you. I wanted to get a drink with you. The way that you like ordered around my friend to go get us whiskey shots. I was like, hell yeah, I did. That's when I figured out how to flirt with guys because I basically just talked to him the way he talked to me. So I was just like, oh, you have a really nice nose. And like he had like one of those like, like more like pronounced noses. And I love those. And so basically like he was this tall, like, beach blonde like I don't know I'm not gonna go into it because I'm tired of hearing shit about who I've dated and who I fuck or whatever but at the same time like it wasn't lost on me that like he was taller than me he was like built and like he was like hot and I wanted that to the point where like we made out in my mom's car because she let me borrow it and I was like fuck that I'm going back home I'm going back to Denton in it so I drove the car up there and I was like do you want do you want to drive back to your like never he was like yeah you know I was like okay and then we made up in the car and he was like do you want to go get a drink next he was like yeah but that didn't happen because we went back to his place and attempted to have sex and it was the most fun that I've had without having sex with a guy because we were so drunk that he couldn't get hard and he didn't know where to put it he couldn't put it in there but like it was this white guy with this fucking like 90s r&b playlist and so to this day when i hear keith sweat i'm like oh my god this reminds me of that big goofy ass nigga that like i tried to fuck that night in college and the next day i had the worst hangover he woke up saw my lashes on the end table thought i was a spider and i still went to work that day I went home, I vomited in my shower, and I got ready, and I still went into work, and I was still on time. Lit. But yeah, it was, it was quite, like, that summer was really, like, I was feeling it. I was feeling fucking 22, so, like, I was out here, but, like, I was still not having the sexual conversations with my friends about how I felt and what I wanted. Actually, the first person that I was having conversations about, like, I don't know if I like this, was my friend Daisy, because I had just slept with my then like this guy he was my friend at the time and I slept with him and I didn't really I didn't really know if I liked it I didn't really know if I liked him and I talked it over with her (laughs) to make sure and then we just kept going and it got better and then I wanted to only spend time with him he only wanted to spend time with me and we started dating and then we were having sex all the time. I wore his ass out. I had him skipping class. It was just like with my ex, like my best friend before then. My best friend before then, we would like fuck before a class. I would skip class. We would fuck. I would ask him to fuck me like during class. It was just like we were fucking all the time. We were fucking everywhere. Like it was great. And if you want to hear about that, we'll talk about that later. But I say all this to say that I was not being introduced to the extent of my sexual autonomy and my sexual needs being met until I became a feminist, until I started going to FMLA, until I started be like being around people that would ask questions like that, that were comfortable talking about whether or not they were being satisfied during sex, how to discuss things with their partner, how to discuss testing. Because literally in my, what year is it? In my like 18 years, is it? I don't know. Ever since 2008, since I've been fucking, not one man, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to exaggerate, I'm not trying to be that bitch, I swear, like, on God, not one man has asked me if I've ever been tested for STIs first, ever, in the history 
of ever. Hand to God, they have never asked me. And I was somebody that was like, okay, well, you know. so I would suffer the consequences. I would do the whole, like my hypochondria, you know, like I mentioned earlier, was through the roof. Because here I am out here fucking and having a great time once I'm like starting to get the hang of it. And I'm still not having the conversations that I need to have with my partners because, oh, it's going to scare them away and oh, all this other shit. I was still fucking on their terms. And that's why like going to FMLA and becoming like a feminist was so important to me because like then we're having these conversations. I still had an issue asking about their testing, but I was working up to becoming a more sexually confident and competent person. That's when I first learned that sex is not supposed to just happen to me. It's something that I'm supposed to participate in. And the ways in which I was having sex were very much like men that were, um, for the most part, just looking for a hole, um, just looking for like easy pussy. And that's who I was. And I didn't really have... Like, at first, I didn't have standards. And then when I was like, oh, these guys are cute, I was like, okay, this is great. But then, like, it was, like, some in between where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just doing this just because. Or I have nothing else to do. Or, like, you know, if I really pursued a guy that I liked sexually, it was a completely different story because there was a lot more nerves involved. Like, yeah, there was, like, an instance where I, like, fuck some dude. I literally don't remember what he looks like or what his name was, but we were all coming back from like 90s night or whatever. And I was just like, ah, and it was worse. It was bad. I don't care. Like it was just, I was still in a very messy period sexually. And so the more that I became aware of trying to see where I was in terms of like my maturity, I was like, okay, so I like sex. This is not like, cause I remember seeing a whole bunch of like literature and hearing a whole bunch of conversations about how like people that are victims of like, you know, essay and CSA, like, yo, they're never really gonna have like a normal sex life. And they just, it's hypersexual and it's trauma response, all this shit. And I was just like, well, fuck, that's not me though. Cause I had gotten to a point where I actually liked having sex. And it was just like, it was just me waiting for the other shoe to kind of like drop in terms of like, okay, so if I like sex, then I should be able to work through that. I should be able to like figure out a way to where I'm not leaving unsatisfied. I'm not leaving feeling gross. I'm not feeling like leaving feeling used. And I'm having sex with somebody that actually wants to have sex with me. Because here's the gag. You can tell when somebody just wants to have sex versus when they just want to have sex with you. You can tell. And I figured that out very early. And that's how I started to move. And when I was with my ex, um, at then we were together, like we were monogamous um, until we moved to New York. There was a moment where we had a conversation about polyamory because he was coming out of a polyamorous relationship. But I very much was like, I don't want to fuck everybody. Like I was still like, I've always been somebody that was just like, yeah, I know that I could be with one person, but like, why would I only want to be with one person? I was able to maintain all these different kinds of relationships with different people. And that's kind of how I've seen polyamory is that like, I'm able to have these very fulfilling, close connections with other people. But I was also able to have that with other people sexually as well. So like when we moved to New York, like we, when I first got here, I 
was basically given the green light to open up our relationship, but my internship and my fear and like loneliness, I just didn't feel like doing anything. Like I tried and it didn't work out. And I was just like, well, fuck this. So I only really had sex when my ex came to visit. And that was like twice until he moved up here. When he moved up here, we fucked all the time. I was on birth control. I let that nigga fuck me anywhere. And there was one time where like, it was his birthday and he was a little bit more like assertive with it. So he was like, can we have sex before we go to my birthday dinner? And I was like, sure. And then like, that's when like, I like he kind of like pushed me over and like fucked me. I was like, oh, okay, we're doing this. It was consensual, but he's somebody that isn't usually like very aggressive during sex. So like, I was like into it because, you know, ain't no babies in here. So like, it was like, that was happening. And for a while we were okay. We were just fucking each other. And then we moved into our new place I noticed that things were changing and I was like, hey, do you want to revisit the conversation about us opening our relationship? Because I really didn't know how to talk about it. Excuse me. And at the time, my friend Daisy was in an open relationship or had been. I don't know what there was a lot going on, but I asked her, I was like, hey, like, how is how does that work? And like she talked me through it. And so basically me and I, me and him had the conversation and then we laid the ground rules and then I went out. I did it, right? First guy I fucked, I met on Tinder, and I absolutely hated it. There was this thing where I was like, oh, no, like, he's going to know, like, he's going to know that I fucked somebody. He even knew because I was being weird about it. He was like, why would I have an issue with that? I was like, I don't know. I absolutely hated it. It was not worth it. I felt filthy um, and not in a good way. And he was like, it's fine. Like, we had a conversation about it. Like, I don't understand why you have a problem. And I was like, I just think I have a problem because like it was such a like disappointing experience for me. But the second time that I met somebody, it was on Bumble and he was so fucking hot. Like (sighs) we'll talk about that in another (laughs) in another episode. Um, But like I'm talking about like this person and I recently like probably like end of last year like stop talking to each other like it was off and on for years because I like yearned for this guy but like once we started doing that and I started opening it back up I was kind of like okay I got the hang of it definitely but my Hitachi still and that's like what put me on like the the search for a smaller um vibrator because I was like I can't keep bringing this Hitachi everywhere I have to find something that's as powerful and smaller you know so I got the um the femme fun bullet which literally saved me and it was so cute and it was so fucking powerful but yeah like I just noticed that once our relationship opened back up and I was having sex with different people like the cycle seemed to start repeating and I just noticed that it was a lot worse because I was still very much the sexually liberated one I was still very like enthusiastic and they were benefiting from that but they weren't really trying to not be pieces of shit and of course like I was still dealing with a lot of like deep seated issues from like unresolved sexual trauma. So I was like, well, I've been in this healthy relationship for this long. Like I've been spoiled, like literally me and my ex, every time we had sex, I finished. Like it was a lot going on. So I was like really putting myself out there trying to like, be like, okay, I guess I'm gonna start fucking other people again. But like a lot of like old problems started coming back up. My hypochondria returned. And I just started realizing that um, the same sexual experiences were, repeating themselves because I was a fat black femme who enjoyed having sex. 
Um, I had men judging me for having an open relationship. They would ask me if my boyfriend was okay with this, if he knew. I'm like, isn't that not the point of an open relationship? Like, why do you care about whether or not he's okay with this? Because they were like, are you sure? And all this shit, right? Our rules were always get tested, always communicate, no hosting. And they would be like more on top of this shit, trying to like figure out whether or not he actually agreed to it than actually listening to the boundaries and shit that I was set. Cause they always tried to get around the fucking no hosting rule. And, um, yeah, I just realized there was a lot of things that I hadn't dealt with sexually because I was being, I was being spoiled essentially by my partner. So being back out here, I felt like I was literally in the streets. And that's when I realized that like, there has to be something, there has to be something for somebody like me. There has to be some kind of like movement, resource, like media, conversation. There has to be something for fat black femmes when it comes to sexual education. There has to be, there has to be because we're not dealing with the same kind of issues entirely that other cis women are dealing with, especially ones that aren't black and especially ones that aren't fat. So I was noticing that a lot of the ways that these guys were treating me was because they definitely thought that I was less than. They were doing the same thing of like, suck my dick. I know you're good at it because you're a fat girl. Oh, I love big girls. And so I stopped sleeping with those guys less and less. I stopped sleeping with guys that were like, oh, I love big girls less and less because I couldn't bring putting their dicks in me when it was the other way around because I knew what I was doing. Unlike a lot of cis men, especially the ones that I've slept with, I know how to make someone come. I definitely knew how to make myself come. And the thing was, is that they were guaranteed multiple orgasms each time, but I wasn't. I had to like, some of them didn't want to use my toy. A lot of them didn't want to use lube. Like it was just a lot going on. Cause I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like this is also around the time that I started working as a dominatrix in a dungeon here in the city. And so I was becoming more aware of sexual dynamics, how to speak up for myself, definitely sexual health and, you know, setting boundaries and dynamics when it came to my sexual encounters. Like I became more confident when talking about sex. That's why I usually don't really have an issue saying something like in jest or like trying to like, you know, just casually talk about sex. I enjoy speaking about sex. I enjoy sex. I enjoy making fun of sex and, or just like, it's just, I just think it's such a rich subject that a lot of people have sensationalized or catastrophized instead of trying to figure out the best way to basically coexist with something that for a lot of us, not all of us, because of course, a lot of different people have different relationships with sex, but for a lot of people, this is a thing that they enjoy doing. This is something that is, you know, normal for a lot of people, but not everybody. And I just noticed that in the spaces that I was in, because I went to a um, panel that was being held by um, Shelby Sells, And it was like in conjunction with like Wildflower Sex and like Melissa. And there was like all of these like panelists that were talking about, oh, I love anal and I do this and I do that and I'm queer and blah, blah, blah. And everybody was thin. (laughs) Everybody was thin. It was a thin white woman, thin white woman, uh, uh, not so thin white woman, but still curvy. Like everybody was in a position to where 
the way in which they were discussing their sexual experiences was that they were with people that saw them as people. And like, even down to like the makeup of the crowd, I was the only fat black femme in attendance. And I sought that out myself. Had I not been following Shelby, I wouldn't have known about the event. I wouldn't have RSVP'd and I wouldn't have gone. But I made it a point to put myself out there and I was the only one that looked like me. So I was like, I'm gonna sit in the front. I'm gonna sit smack dab in the front. And the the event photographer tried to act like he couldn't see me and didn't want to take pictures of me. Um, and I waited till the end to ask my question. And I was just like, so what are y'all doing for like sex education and representation, you know, um, for people that don't look like y'all, for people that are larger than y'all, for people that are darker than y'all. And they stuttered and, you know, tried to dance around it and try to be like, oh, it's the last question. So, and then like gave me this like consolation raffle prize because the person that won it wasn't there. So they gave me this fucking book that was like orgasm for one or whatever the fuck, um, a gift card to Wildflower. And the lady that was absolutely out of her mind high on her own like infused lollipops, gave me some lollipops and then tried to do this whole thing of like, oh my God, I'm so glad you said something. I was walking here the whole time and I was thinking about my thighs, literally a thin white woman, literally a thin white woman. I was thinking, oh, my thighs. I was like, with all due respect, that's not the same thing. Have a great evening. And I left that event like activated, completely activated. I was like, oh bet, y'all are gonna see me more. Y'all are gonna see me. And so I made it a, I made it a point to be more vocal about sexuality on my own terms, what I was doing, how I was dating, who I was dating and, you know, my time in the dungeon and people really resonated with that. So I was getting, you know, booked for panels. I met more people. I was going to events, met more people. Um, I was getting scouted. Shout out to Valerie and Precipice Magazine. I was getting scouted on on trains and buses to be like in these publications that celebrated sexuality. And it was just like, it was happening because I knew that I was like, oh great, this is it. This is my lane. This is, this is my white space. And I went for it. And it was something that I didn't know was going to be this big of a deal. The amount of messages and um, comments that I've gotten from people over the years, specifically fat femmes, mind you, specifically fat femmes, even more so fat black femmes, letting me know that my content has helped them be able to have conversations that they weren't the most confident about with their partners, about what they want, with potential partners about what they won't put up with and how to stand up for themselves, how to set boundaries and also how to be like, um, aware of what they want sexually and how to communicate that and how to feel good about that because I wasn't like sensationalizing you know the sex and stuff like I'm a writer I used to write literatica in school I know how to like you know write out you know a sexy encounter like that's people loved that okay there was one person that was like this is not Wattpad and I was like who the fuck are you ho why is you here but for the most part like I've never used Wattpad. I grew up on literatica.com and um, another story place that I got like editor of the month. There would be like this whole thing where like, if I was really close to you, I'm like, hey, do you want, did you, do you want to see something? And they'd be like, what? And I would show them like my published like smut on like the site. And they'd be like, holy shit, 
And that smut is even fucked up. If you want to see somebody in the midst of a very terrible relationship sexually, um, that is out there. And I probably should take that down because it's very terrible. Like, it's not terribly written because the comments and everybody that was supporting it was into it. But, like, it is very terrible. It was, yeah. Um, But, like, I was familiar with, like, how I wanted to express sex. And people responded to that. And it was coming from somebody that looked like me. And I thought that that was very important because, for the most part, during the earlier part of the wave, when sex positivity and body positivity were, you know, coming to pass. Um, not coming to pass. They were like turning the fuck up. It was weird that there was like this like body positivity thing happening, but it was still not reaching the sex positivity spaces. There were still not fat people. There were still not black people that looked like me. There were still not disabled people. There were still not, you know, other people that were not straight, you know, or queer uh, cis women who were thin or like curvy thin. And they were the ones like, I like vibrators and I like anal and oh my God. Like just like, it was so like, you know, it was just a time period where everybody could be a little bit more smutty, but it wasn't really something that included as many people as they were trying to put on because people think that once sex is introduced into a situation or even like a community, it's automatically a more progressive like overall situation and it's not it's definitely not um so that's why i think it's important and i've seen other uh uh content creators and sex educators and sex counselors and sex therapists and like um sex coaches like they are like for the most part i follow a lot of black femmes a lot of queer black people who are sex therapists and I will link them in this episode, but like that was also very helpful for me because it was normalized. These people are like sharing a lot more information. They're certified. They have the experience. I was just talking about it. And all of this has led me for the most part to want to get certified myself. So I say all this to say that I think that it's about time that I become you know, a certified uh, sex coach. I don't think I should be a therapist. I don't think I should be a counselor. I don't, you know, if it's an educator, that's fine. But like, I definitely think that, you know, a sex coach is, I should have done it a while ago. I just was more worried about like trying to establish myself within the fashion industry and things like that. And I really wasn't thinking that deep into it. I was like, oh, this is cute. Y'all sending me, y'all sending me things. Y'all inviting me places. I'm getting paid. Like it was that, I was on that kind of time. I wasn't thinking like, oh, I should be a sex coach. But now that I'm like had some time to think about it the past few months, I've really been like, I think that I should be a sex coach because I wouldn't be someone who would just be here to be like, oh my God, isn't that sexy? The entire I'm here for the entire conversation of trying to figure out how to have sex as you. And for the most part, anytime I've had a conversation about sex, I've always focused more so on the person and the people involved, not the machinations, not like, 
you know, what move, like, you know, what's the best, like all this other shit. No, it's like, I'm usually asking because that's where it starts. Because as far as we're all concerned and reality is concerned, if one person wants to be there and the other one doesn't, it's not sex. And that's what a lot of the conversations that I was having with people consisted of, whether or not people wanted to admit it um, to themselves or whether or not they could not like recognize it. A lot of people are having, are not having sex. Um, they're being assaulted or assaulting other people. I, I, that sounds terrible. It's not, I don't know of another way to say it, but like that literally is it. It's not sex if one person does not want to have sex. It's not sex if one person does not want to be there. That's not. It ceases to be a consensual sexual situation. Um, it doesn't even start being one if both people are not on board. Um, so I really think that there's not an emphasis enough on pleasure-based sexual health education. I don't think that there's an emphasis enough on the self when it comes to sex. It's more about like, how can you do this? And how can you do that? And blah, blah, blah. it's like, no, like we need to start inward. We need to start with number one. We need to figure out exactly what you like, what you want, why you don't want this, what you don't want. And how to communicate that best with your partner because you should be having sex with people that you're not afraid to talk to. You should be having sex with people that you're not afraid to fucking talk to, to fucking ask to put on a condom, to fucking ask when the last time they were tested. You deserve to have sex with somebody that cares about whether or not you fucking finish. Like, I'm getting kind of like aggressive because it's just like, that's it. And people are making it so like, they're making it so complicated and it doesn't have to be because anything outside of two people and consenting to have sex is assault. Like we don't have to have these conversations about how to do this and who to do that and how do I get them? Like, no, like if y'all not both trying to be there, it's not, it's not sex. And not enough people are telling fat women that. Not enough people are telling fat femmes that. And not enough people, definitely not enough people are telling fat black femmes that. Like... It's too much. I'm like I a long time ago was tired of being used as a fucking fleshlight. And I had to like literally the more I spoke up about not finishing, setting a boundary about like, hey, I don't suck dick until I come because I noticed that the partners that I was with, and if you're like dealing with cis men in general, you can tell how much sex, like how much porn and and what kind of porn they watch and how often they watch it by how they have sex. It's very, very mechanical. And so I noticed that in a lot of the porn, it starts off with the man getting head first. And that's what a lot of them were doing. Oh, you wanna suck my dick? Can you suck my dick? The whole like head bob thing. The whole like trying to push your head towards it. The whole just put like pulling their dick out and shit. And you having to be like, okay, I guess. Like, it's just like, that's not like, and this is, I'm sorry, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like someone who, like I said before, loves sucking dick, but it was not happening on my terms. I've even had men argue with me about it. I've had men like physically put their hands on me for like, it's just like you would think, right? I didn't say we weren't going to have sex. I said that we're not going to, I'm not going to suck your dick until I come, which means that we could still do everything else. That's just not happening because I am rerouting. I'm trying to like, this is not happening. That's not an organic way to have sex. And once I started setting boundaries, like, yeah, it was difficult, 
But I wasn't feeling like a piece of shit when I left a sexual encounter anymore. Like, I was learning how to speak up for myself. I was learning how to center my pleasure. Because if I wasn't going to come, there was no point. If I wasn't going to enjoy myself, there was no point. And definitely if I didn't feel like fucking you, there's no point. And as someone who was socialized to use sex as a currency because people weren't supposed to see me outside of a means to an end as a fat black femme, I'm not supposed to be someone that's seen as desirable. There's a video going around on TikTok talking about how people really like fucked up a lot of fat femmes because growing up, if you like somebody, everybody labeled you crazy. They labeled you a stalker. They labeled you as someone who was obsessed. You couldn't just have a crush. You were obsessed. Meanwhile, we all are at the same age having sexual awakenings and romantic feelings and crushes at the same time. But oh no. And like, I am the first to admit that my crushes got out of hand because I was torturing myself. Like I was writing in my journal. I was like, you know, like sharing, like lamenting with my friends. I was pining. Oh, I was, I was pining. Was I obsessed? Yes. Was that their problem? No. It was never, it was ne like, it wasn't, <laughs> it's just, it's not fair that when you're a fat, like femme, especially like when you're younger, that you're socialized to basically grow up a lot faster because you have to be more aware that people see you and your body sexually because it's it's developing in a way where your fat is being distributed in parts of your body that other people see as inherently sexual, even though you're a fucking child. So you already have people interacting with you in a way where they're projecting this sense of hypersexuality onto you and sexual maturity. And when you get older, that unfortunately continues, especially with people in your age group. So if you're out here like, oh my God, I like boys. And you're dealing with your fucking compulsive hetero, like heterosexuality and shit like that and heteronormativity. Like you're taught that the way to connect with guys, to get them to like you, to get them to notice you, to get them to like be interested in you is to be a sexual tool because there's nothing else that is particularly useful from you. There's nothing else that people are interested in with you. And unfortunately, that is a reality that a lot of fat femmes have grown up with, which is why every time I have the conversation with another thin black woman and about how oh the guys didn't like me in high school because I was stick thin and they was talking about my body and da, 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 and they only went with the big girls I want you to take a second to ask yourself why was it they were more into the big girls why was it like really do a deep dive there because it's not it's not it's not a, that hard to figure that out but it's just even like that whole like oh they only like y'all because this that, and the third it was like no I was being hypersexualized. I was being like I was like having like my fucking theater director when I was in Little Shop of Horrors saying that my body filled out the costume more because it was more womanly I'm fucking like 15 16 years old like oh you look better in the costume because look at your boobs and like your butt like you have a shape and I'm just like 
I don't want to look like that. Like I didn't, I was so obsessed with looking like a, like a girl, not like a woman. When I was in high school, I wanted to look like a pretty girl. The jig is up. I was weird and I was gay, but I wanted to be a fucking pretty girl. Like, and it just wasn't working. So therefore, once the hypersexualization happened, I was like, oh, I guess this is it. I didn't get to go through the pretty girl phase. It was like, okay, now we're at the phase where you're giving blowjobs for handholds on the bus stop. You're you're sucking dick in abandoned houses, you know, even though you're like 12 years old and you're sucking off a fucking like sophomore in high school, like shit like that. And it was just like to the point where I saw the pattern, the jig was up, and I was just like, no one had this conversation with me, not even my mom. Our talk about sex was what I told you at the beginning of this episode. Oh my God, you're going to get AIDS and die. You're going to get pregnant and die. Literally, when I went to work with her in the ER, she let me know that there was a girl in the hospital, like in the ER that had an STI and that she had to call her mom to come up there. And that my mom herself had to tell her mom that she had an STI. And she was trying to like utilize that as like, you know, a lesson. Like, ooh, this girl's in the ER because her STI is so bad because she lives this kind of life. My mom's like made up this anecdote for this teenage girl in the fucking ER who already is going through some shit, who already has to have her mom come up there. And she was a black girl. So it was just like, it was, I did not have these conversations. And I really wish that I did. I really wish that I would have reclaimed my self-worth a lot earlier on, that I would have recognized my sexual autonomy as a young woman earlier on, that I would have made a lot better choices with the people that I allowed into my life and inside of me earlier on. But, you know, luckily I survived that. Luckily, like I've done what I, you know, the best I can in terms of learning from it. I'm someone who's on top of my sexual health because of it. Like I'm not a hypochondriac anymore, but I get tested regularly because I just, I'm, I really would like, I like knowing my status when it comes to, you know, new partners and things like that. It's very important. It's very responsible. I go every three months. Um, Some people suggest you go after every partner, like after every new partner. I kind of want to start doing that, but I feel like that's more specifically for people that are monogamous, you know, that like have a little bit more of like a steady dick stream coming in. So like they're not having to like bounce, 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 bounce and like wait the three months. That's what I've been doing and just waiting three months. You know, I've been thinking about it, but it just depends on how I'm dating in the future. Um, But I really want to be that person. I think that I definitely need to be that person that or one of those people, (laughs) because there's a lot of us. Um, But I want to be one of those people that is a voice um, for femmes that look like me. To let them know that not only can sex be amazing if that's something that you want to do, but sex can definitely be to your benefit, to your satisfaction, on your terms. There's people out there that want to make sure that you have a great time during sex and not in a fucking fetishy because I can't get hard kind of way. Like 
there are people out there that actually care about whether or not you want to finish. There are people out there that actually want to make sure that you both have a great time. And I've met some of those people. That's why it took me like so long to like break off like, you know, situations I've had with past lovers because like the second one I picked up, like I'm talking about every time, every time. Like I've never been loved. Like I don't even want to say love. I'm sorry. I thought, why am I trying to act like, you know, all fucking like coquettish and shit. I've never been fucked like that. I've learned so many different things about so many different kinds of orgasms and so many different kinds of sensations my body can have. I'm going to definitely have later episodes about that. I already, I already mapped those out. Definitely talking about that. But it's just, it's I where I'm at right now sexually is a place that like, I know there's still room for progress. There's still room for growth. But I feel like I'm in a place where I really want to be that person that um, little Ashley needed. I want to be that person that, you know, fucking, what, like eight-year-old Ashley needed? Like, it was just, I want to be that person. Like, I think the next generation deserves that. There's all of this, like, like, talk about sex positivity currently just being, like, this whole culture of hypersexualization and trying to get girls and young women to do things they don't want to do and like all for the sake of looking cool. And it's like, nobody's ever done that though. I've never seen anybody feeling pressured to talk about loving anal. Like no one's going to be like, Oh, you're gross. Like there was even this like conversation surrounding people being like, Oh, I like vanilla sex. I'm like trying to do that as like a disclaimer. And it's like, not all kinky sex is, is better sex. And sex doesn't have to be kinky to be good sex. It doesn't even have to be kinky to be sex. But there was a moment in time because everybody got really into BDSM late for a second that people thought that kinky sex was it. That you were only edgy or like cool or whatever the fuck if you had like BDSM like kink sex. And people still don't even know the difference between those two. But like it doesn't matter what kind of sex that you want to have. As long as you're with somebody that is a willing participant, an enthusiastic participant, can't stress that enough, how great it is to have sex with people that actually want to have sex with you. Like having sex with your crush is a completely different kind of experience. And having sex with people that actually want to have sex with you and you want to have sex with them, which sounds like it should be something that is normal that we should all understand and should be happening on a regular basis, you would be shocked about how often that does not happen. I'm living proof, <laughs> but it's possible. Having sex as a fat black femme can be an amazing experience. And I'm somebody that wants to continue to not only um, share about that, but also celebrate it. Cause I think it's wonderful. I think that me being able to have sex with who I want to and not out of like, you know, quote unquote, like needing to prove myself or like wanting to like have people like me and the currency, like being able to have sex for me and have sex with people that I want to have sex with that want to have sex with me is something that has taken me a long time to do. And do I wish that? It would have been a different path. Yes. 150% yes. But, you know, wherever you find yourself, there you are. And I really hope that 
And I sound, I really, I, I, it's a full circle moment. I do sound like one of those people that's like, I want my experiences to really like, cause, but that's true though. If I went through all that, I didn't grow from it and I didn't see a point in helping others grow from it, I would be a worse off person because it would all have been in vain. And unfortunately, that's how I learned how to, how I really want, what I really want during sex and who I like being during sex. And, you know, my sexual experiences have gotten a lot better, but also there have been some down points too, which is why I'm transparent about those because there are things that happen, even though I am somebody that is sexually liberated and understands how to stand up for myself and advocate for myself sexually. But that's not my fault. And that's something that a lot of people need to understand is that any kind of, you know, essay or violation or things like that, like that's not your fault. And I know as someone who's heard that, like most of my life growing up, I didn't really internalize that until I understood that it didn't matter whether or not I was silent or if I shouted. It didn't matter whether or not I was, you know, a novice or a full on like slut who not only has an array of sex toys, but like a mountain of prophylactics and all this shit. Like it didn't matter. Like if somebody wants to do something to me and they make that decision that has nothing to do with me, because at that point they're ceasing to give me the option to not do it, especially if it's happening and it's not supposed to. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just kind of like, I really wish that somebody would have talked to me. Definitely the talk that I had with my mom, that would have went a lot differently. I would have understood a lot earlier how to not internalize um, shame and victim blame myself. But I'm in a place right now where I feel like I can be sort of more like a beacon for like other fat black femmes, whether they be younger, you know, whether they be older, no matter how old you are, you're always going to need someone that is there to help you understand exactly what you want. And in this case, you know, someone that's there to validate you, um, you know, sexually with your needs and to help you understand that, you know, your pleasure, your autonomy and your orgasm is just as important as your partners, whether it be one or many more. So that is the end of this episode. I'm glad that you stuck around. Thanks for (laughs) toughing it out with me. I know this was a long one. I wasn't really trying to have it be this long, but it just was on my spirit. And I think it's really important to set the tone, especially starting off like this, because people do ask me what I do. And I've always kind of like fumbled over it. And I'm like, no, this is it. Like, this is a part of what I do. And I think it's really important, which is why I'm pursuing my sex coaching certification. So thank you so much for tuning in to the Babe Bunny podcast this week um, and enjoy the rest of yours. Bye.